Hi, and welcome back to The Secret Life of Parkinson's. I'm Jessica Krauser, and I'm here with Brian Baker. Hello, Jess. Hi, Brian. Another great day. Yes, another great day it is. And today we have a special guest with us. A very special yes, guest. Yes, um, Dr. Sonia <laughs> Mather. Hi, Hi, Sonia. How are you? Hi. Hi. Hi to both of you. Thank you for having me today. Thank you so much for coming on. I am, uh, I'm really excited for, well, two reasons. One, if you've seen previous episodes of our podcast, we brought up um, the book um, Shaky Hands, A Kid's Guide to Parkinson's, and that was written by Dr. Mather and her three girls. So uh, I already had a conversation with her about that because I absolutely love that book. Um, but I'm also very excited because um, she was informing me about a study that is, uh, I don't know if it's currently going on, but we'll get into that in a minute, but it's about women sure. and Parkinson's. So that's going to be our focus today. So it's, it's a study with women in Parkinson's or just a study with women? <laughs> what? No. That didn't make sense. We'll just let that one go. But it's, yeah, it's with women and Parkinson's. So before we get started, um, Sonia, if you can give us a little bit of your background and uh, and then we'll go from there. Sure. Thank you so much. Um, so my background is I'm a family physician, um, but I've also been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease now, living with it for about 25 years almost. I was diagnosed at the age of 28, um, just as I had finished my residency in family medicine and was expecting my first of three girls. And um, so I've, I don't do clinical practice anymore, but I work in fields of advocacy and research and education, primarily with different Parkinson's organizations and that sort of thing. So keeping myself busy in that, in that way. I think that was pretty busy. So you are, um... You do work with the Michael J. Fox Foundation, correct? Yeah. And yes, yes. And you're on the, is it called PD Avengers? Yeah, I co-founded a advocacy, a global advocacy oh. group called the PD Avengers about two years ago. And uh, we um, were a global advocacy organization working to um, really advocate on behalf of the whole Parkinson's community. Mm -hmm. um, and we work in the areas of wellness and research and and um, on a global basis. Okay. So is that then where this the women's study came into play was is through PD Avengers? That's exactly it. We recognize that there was a need for women across the globe to really understand how their health was impacted by Parkinson's in all hormonal life stages. So pre-menopause, perimenopause, mm -hmm. and post-menopause. And the research just really wasn't there. We were hearing from women that, you know, their their symptoms were worse um, before their periods and during their mm -hmm. periods, but no changes or adjustment to their medication or treatment was being made. So these sorts of complaints were coming our way and we decided we needed to actually do something about it. So how how is the study going? Is it ongoing? Is it still, is it complete? Where are you guys at? It's, it's great. It's actually still ongoing. Um, we basically developed questionnaires to, to gather information because we know that Parkinson's disease presents differently in women. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we know that. But when you do the literature search, um, there really isn't a lot of information out there. We know that women are more affected in terms of the how it presents. We know we have more tremor. We have more mood and anxiety disorders. We have more fatigue, more ap apathy, more pain. But we also know that, you know, women are affected more in a psychosocial standpoint. Mm -hmm. We have less health-related quality of life compared to men. 
Um, we have feelings of not being heard. We have feelings of, you know, self-image and self-identity issues uh, compared to men. So there's a whole host of issues that really haven't been addressed by current research. So we said, well, we need to first gather the information and then figure out what we can do with that information. So we partnered with uh, the Michael J. Fox Foundation to deploy uh, several questionnaires that ask women about their experiences with Parkinson's mm-hmm. disease. And um, we're in the midst of doing that. So we have about 3,000 uh, women that have replied to the questionnaire and we're starting to compile the data now. Oh, that's I awesome. I mean, that can be accessed. Yeah, that can be accessed through Fox Insight, their online platform. I think that's, so it was just, it was a questionnaire, right? I want I think I took it. Yeah. But you know what's I interesting? I hope you did. I did. <laughs> but the thing that's interesting with that is... Um, I took, I remember answering the questions, but I never, I never thought about some of those instances. So right. um, I, I answered them, but now it's like, I want to go back and answer them again because it made me think of, you know, the different times, like, you know, the week before my period or during, sorry, Brian, this is going to be a, maybe you shouldn't have been on for this one, but <laughs> Melissa, it's good. <laughs> it's good for everybody to know. Um, but in all honesty, I never tracked it that way because right. my neurologist and my gynecologist, like no, like they actually both told me up front, they're like, I don't know how one deals with the other, so we'll just be learning together. And I'm like, okay. And so I never right. tracked it until I talked to you and looked at the, those questions. So now I have been tracking it. So for the past right. three to four months, like it's and it's this week, the week before, it is my worst week I have been I, I've been sleeping almost every day, a couple hours during the day. I'm my, my dystonia is worse towards the end of the evening. And Mm -hmm. just overall, like my symptoms have been bad and I'm like excited to see like, okay, next week, am I going to be back to normal? See, these are all things that guys just do. I have those same problems that I don't have a menstrual cycle. (laughs) I don't don't see any difference in it. You touched on some good points, uh, Jessica, because that's what happens. We know that women are anecdotally are affected, but we don't know uh, as women what to do about that. Yeah. So it's unfair for women to fairly be miserable for two out of every four weeks of their of their time. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And the reason that neurologists and gynecologists don't address the issues because they really don't know what to do. There are no guidelines for professionals at this point in time on what to advise women in terms of their hormonal cycle or pre-menopause or post-menopause, you know, through different stages of life. We just don't have the information that we need in order to make those guidelines happen. And so women aren't being managed well, that we're not optimizing quality of life for women. And that's where this study is come is coming from, trying to address those issues and identify those gaps. And because of your personal experience with going through three pregnancies while being uh, diagnosed, are you looking at at that level or that area as well for women that who are because i know a couple uh actually one girl in my young onset group she has little ones so it's you know is that is there a difference based on you know your child's age because of the hormonal level is that being taken into consideration that's our next questionnaire that's going out is about pregnancy and child childbirth and um because we know there are some there's some information um on on the risk of, of Parkinson's disease uh, or a risk to the pregnancy when you have Parkinson's disease. Okay. But there's very little, again, when it comes to guidelines. I mean, for each of my three births, I was treated quite differently. Um, you know, the first one was just a low risk 
pregnancy. They didn't really know what to do with it. And I just had had my baby. Um, the second one, they weren't sure. They sent me to genetics. They had everyone in the room, you know, anticipating this, this you know, extraordinary birth. And the third one, they just went back to treating me like a low-risk pregnancy. So <laughs> there really are guidelines, again, in terms of what to do with women that have PD and, ch- and childbirth. So that's another area that we're looking at as well. So for women that are have been diagnosed or that are newly diagnosed, what types of conversations could they or should they be having with their neurologist? Or like, even like I was, I want to inform my neurologist, like this, this study, like these studies are happening. Like, is there anything that we can right. provide them with? Um, I think, Jessica, like any other part of this disease, we have to advocate for ourselves when mm-hmm. it comes, and that's men and women in terms of our care, in terms of bringing up issues that are important to us that are affecting our quality of life. And that goes with women as well. If you're experiencing difficulties and you've tracked it prior to your to your period or during mm-hmm. your period, those happens to be happen to be your worst times, then uh, bringing that to the attention of your movement disorder specialist um, so that they can maybe adjust your medications. They can maybe say take an extra pill at this time and see mm-hmm. if that helps. You know, uh, we just have to advocate for ourselves because, as I said, there aren't any guidelines for them in order to guide their management. We have to sort of be proponents of it ourselves. Now, I know because you're going to be feeling lonely, Brian, um, that we're, you know, so much focus is on women, but the focus is all. the focus has always been <laughs> probably more male dominated because more men are diagnosed with Parkinson's. But is there any, um, I don't want to say similarities, but it's like, you know, we have hormonal changes and that that's, we're seeing if how that's affecting our Parkinson's. Do guys have anything that, that there has, there, have, is there any studies on that? That's an interesting question, and I don't know if I can speak to that. I haven't looked into it, but there are hormonal changes that happen in men as well mm-hmm. with age and time. Um, in terms of um, of what those changes are, I'm not yeah. really sure. Yeah. I think uh, that maybe should be looked at. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe just a, did a little research topic. Maybe I should just start <laughs> documenting things. Yeah. Maybe you're, you know, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think there was a long pause there. You don't think I can capable of documenting things? No, no, that's not <laughs> what it was at all. Um, so, what else? What other things like for PD Avengers? I know that this 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 topic really uh, stuck out to me. But what are what other things right. is PD Avengers working on? Well, there are a number of working groups that we have um, right now. We're trying to build the advocacy part of it, so numbers really help. Um, we have about 6,400, I think, members um, across 93 countries around the world wow. and about 118 global organizations that have agreed to partner with the PD Avengers. And that helps us when it comes to policy change and, and going to governments or other you know, uh, funding sources in order to increase research me- dollars and that sort of thing. Um, right now, the women in PD is one area we're working on. Uh, we have a wellness committee that works on um, aggregating um, sources of information and um, wellness classes, exercise classes, that sort of thing. Um, I'm also heading up a medication equity group, and we're looking at care and medication access to different parts of the globe. Uh, right now, we're working on a pilot project for Africa, mm-hmm. looking at how to get medication, uh, reliable source of medication to people in Uganda and Kenya. Wow. Because there they don't even have simple access to things like dopamine replacement, which is horrendous if you think about yeah. it, having to go without any medications. 
um, and the education piece is, is not there as well. There, a lot of people face a great deal of stigma when it comes to Parkinson's disease, depending on where in the mm-hmm. world they live. Mm-hmm. Um, so example, in, in, in parts of Africa, it's considered a curse. And oh. often people are shunned and, um, by their families and, and sort of wow. um, th- thrown out of the village, yeah. sort of, so to speak. So they're really not accessing any amount of care. But, you know, for example, in Uganda, there's one neurologist for the whole country. So that access to care piece, the, the medication equity piece is something we're looking at very strongly at the PD Ventures as well. Wow. You're busy. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's busy, but... You sort of, when you learn these things, when you know better, you have to kind of do better. And that's, that's, yeah. um, that's something that we sort of um, live by. The other thing is we want to act globally, um, think globally, but act locally. So every community that has people with Parkinson's disease living in it, depending on where in the world you are, there are different issues that need to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm just like, I'm like shocked at like everything that you just said with the, all those numbers and the people and like, Again, we think about what we're dealing with, but imagine in other countries how how they're dealing with things. Wow. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's really eye opening. I mean, I, I I'm a firm believer this diagnosis really doesn't know any geographic boundaries, and neither yeah. should the care that we are able to receive right. depend on that. You know, it's it's really um, a different way of looking at things, a different way of life when you're not in a an area that's. Um, that has access to these resources that like we, right. like you and I do. Right. I guess. Right. Wow. Um, switching gears real quick. I do want to touch on your book, um, shaky hands, a kid's guide, but did you say that there, you have another book that you wrote as well? Or am I making that up? Yeah, no. Uh, this is the first book that I wrote. That was, I don't know if you can see it. Yeah. My grandpa's shaky hands. Yeah. And that was a book directed at preschoolers mainly. Okay. It was just a little storybook about a grandfather who has shaky hands and the way he interacts with his grandson. So uh-huh. it's just a quick little fun book. And the, the other book you were talking about is this one, Shaky Hands, A Kid's yeah. Guide to Parkinson's Disease. And that's the one I wrote with my three daughters. And mm-hmm. that's the one that was basically based on the fact that I had these three kids who obviously were aware that something was wrong, but um, children fear what they don't know. Mm-hmm. So they often make stories in their mind that are, are worse than reality. Yeah. So um, we began to talk about it and discuss things. And I thought maybe this could serve as a, a resource for other families to, to begin the discussion about Parkinson's disease mm-hmm. and what it is exactly, how, why it happens, what kids can do to help their loved one with Parkinson's disease that allows them to feel empowered and, and do like they're doing something about it. So that well, was the... Uh, inspiration for it and i think you know at least from what i've seen yes it's good because you know kids they do you know they'll make things up in their head but so does everybody you know if they don't yeah. if they don't ask <laughs> the questions like even adults so that's why i've shared your book with everybody at our gym and you know anybody who's been newly diagnosed like i actually ordered a whole bunch of your books and i give it uh-huh. out to them and i tell them I'm like i know it says you know it says a kid's guide but trust me like read through it. It is super. It brings it down to like I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. You're not a doctor. You know what I mean? Like it brings it down to our level of of understanding because we're you know especially I, I just met with somebody last week. Um, she was new to our gym. She was just diagnosed, and I I said something about you know 
uh, are you going to get on a dopamine agonist first or, you know, are you doing carbidopa, levodopa? She's like, right. I don't know what you just said. <laughs> She's like, I'm sure I'll know those words at some point. I'm like, that's right. You right. kind of forget in the beginning, like all these words of like bradykinesia, dystonia, all this stuff yeah. is being thrown at you and you don't know what to make of it. And that book just brought it down so that you're like, oh, I mean, because that's how I used it. I used it to explain to my 65 year old mother, you know, like right. they, they don't have Parkinson's. They're not living with it and they see me with it and they're probably making up their own stories in their head. So sharing that type of information with them was it was easy for me to explain it because I, I can never always put words around like our stories of like, how do you explain this to somebody like what I'm feeling? And that right. book did it so well. So, oh, I'm glad. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was helpful. I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Sorry, I've been taking up a lot of time, Brian. Did you? No, I'm just taking it all in. <laughs> um, I actually shared that book with my son, and he was a senior in high school. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh. What did he think? It helped. I think it helped him understand a little bit. That's good. So. Oh, good. Yeah. And your girls are all grown now, aren't they? Yes, my goodness. Yes, they are all grown. Um, they're 24, 22, and 18. Wow. So quite a bit older than when we wrote the book. Wow. But they're all still working actually within the field of, of Parkinson's. That's awesome. Uh, we've done webinars together and, and oh, cool. um, they've written things and, and participated in studies and that sort of thing. So wow, that's awesome. it's a family affair. That's very cool. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Well, you've done a lot of amazing things um, for, um, you know, for yourself, advocating for yourself, but it, just for the overall Parkinson's community worldwide. So thank you so much for everything that you have done and continue to do um, um i'm super excited to see like all these you know new fascinating studies that you guys are, are creating so i will definitely be in touch and be following is there a website or anything got that for the park or for the parkinson's adventures yes it's pdavengers.com pd avengers and it's did you say it is a part of michael j fox foundation or is it its own separate thing and you guys are just partners it's, it's our own separate thing. Okay. Michael J. Fox Foundation happens to be one of our partners, one of okay. our 131 par partners. 131, that's right. Okay. It's a yeah. lot of partners. That's awesome. Well, yeah. congratulations. This is this is wonderful work. Um, I, like I said, I look forward to hearing and learning about what you guys learn. Um, and hopefully we can then just be a voice to the rest of the movement disorder specialist community, other women with Parkinson's, and start spreading... Um, the the learnings that you find so looking forward to thank that. you so much well in our last 30 seconds i will leave you with this um whether you're male or female parkinson's it does affect everybody differently and we're constantly working not we i guess others in the community are constantly working to figure out how do we live our best lives whether it's through medication exercise various therapies we're constantly learning, so keep your eyes open, your ears open, do your own research, be your own advocate, and we will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. The Secret Life of Parkinson's is produced by Melissa Carlson and Steve Brandenburg. To contact us, email info at thesecretlifeofpd.org. The Secret Life of Parkinson's is not responsible or liable for any medical advice, diagnosis, course of treatment, or any other information obtained through this podcast. 
The information provided by The Secret Life of Parkinson's is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard on this podcast. You are encouraged to consult a physician for a definitive diagnosis.